2: Jeez.
0: Recorded live.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another edition of Track Talk, Let's run famous podcasting. This is Let's Run.com Let's co Run.com founder Robert Johnson welcoming you to the program. the two very special guests live from London, Weldon Johnson and Jonathan Gull. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks so much. To, to
1: be here, here. though. Uh, I don't know how special I am, but uh, happy to be talking as always.
2: John, you're a very, very special man. What a crazy weekend. Last time we talked on Friday, we were getting ready for Worlds, and now we've had three days of action, and boy, has it been incredible. Upsets, huge upsets, really, to me, has been the name of the first opening three days. Usain Bolt goes down in the men's 100. Elaine Thompson goes down in the women's 100. Sam Krauser goes down in the men's shot put. I mean, these were three heavy favorites. They all lose. And when there's an upset, hey, somebody comes through and gets, Unexpected gold, Tori Bowie, and the villain Justin Gatlin winning gold in the men's hundreds. And then, of course, Amy Craig with the performance of her life, snagging America's first gold, excuse me, first medal in the women's marathon since 1983. Guys, Jonathan, what moment stands out for you as the most having been there in the stadium for the last three days?
1: I think it has to be Gatlin. I mean, that's the one that the world was paying attention to outside of the track world. Uh, that's the one that everyone was looking, the race that everyone was looking forward to, and I think the thing that's, that's weird to me is just, you know, obviously the boos, I wasn't really surprised for them because they booed him in the prelands, uh, and they booed him before the semifinal, so booing him, you know, after the race, it wasn't that big a surprise, but it basically, it transitioned so quickly back to a Bolt love Fest. like, if you hadn't watched the race, or the about 30 seconds after the race, where it flashed up that Catelyn had won, um, you wouldn't have known that Usain Bolt lost that race because the announcers were basically going on and on and praising him and lauding him. They made a comment praising his, you know, commitments, his calls for clean sport in the last week, which I thought was, you know, maybe a little pointed jab at Catelyn. I thought it was interesting, but it was just, it was crazy. It was like. Justin Gatlin just won the world championship. He's kind of doing a lap of honor. I don't think he's made it all the way around the track and they're acting thing as if it's still bolt. And again, bolt his is the greatest reader of all time. He deserves all the praise he gets. But in that moment, you know, usually the the cheers and the praise is reserved for the world champion. And it was as if they had a script and they just couldn't improvise.
2: Pretty interesting stuff. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the state we are in society. Celebrity, being a celebrity, is more important than anything else. I mean, we're in the Kardashian world. What do they do? They're just famous. So Bolt, you know, admittedly, he's earned his celebrity status. But, you know, people, probably a lot of the people in the crowd wanted to tell their you know, grandchildren, I saw the same Bolt run. So in some ways... You know, it almost didn't matter what he did, you know, save for yet another false start, which would have been even worse. But, um, you know, it was pretty interesting because, you know, normally right when the, when the race was about to go off, I went upstairs and decided this is the one track event that my wife might want to watch with me. So, and um, as I sat down, I was like, wait a minute, who am I rooting for? Normally I, I, I root for both, you know, as, as journalists, you know, we're not supposed to root for anyone. But I'm like... You've got, you've got someone that you want to see or it's a storyline. I wasn't sure what I wanted to see. So I texted Weldon in the stadium. And I was like, wait a minute, who, who are you rooting for? And Weldon's like, I think it would be interesting to see what happens if Bolt loses. So then I sort of started, you know, um, thinking that was a great idea. So I, I was intently focused on Coleman, thinking he was the only one that could beat Bolt, maybe Blake. Um, and um, I, I would say my observation of it was very similar to, the, to what happened on the BBC. I was focused on those two, and I was like, wait, Bolt's going to lose. And I was like, wait, there's Gatlin. He won at the bottom. So a couple of the commentators, you know, play the play guys missed it. Um, they didn't even see Gatlin until after it was over. So, you know, that was certainly shocking. And then we had another upset last night in the women's 100. I mean, I, I think as good as Bolt has been over the years, there's no way he was as favored as much as Elaine Thompson. I mean, I think everybody was just assuming she had that in the bag. And yet, well, great in the semi and didn't come through in the final.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it was surprising because she ran, you know, I was looking, she ran 10.88 with a slight tailwind last year in the Olympic semifinal and then came out and ran, you know, 10.7 something in the final to win it. And so this year you're thinking, well, well damn i mean she just ran 10.84 into a, a minor headwind in the semi last night so once you saw the semi-final round you just like it's over just give her the goal and i talked to her after the race and she was just like i don't know what i did i mean if you watch her race i think about six meters in she sort of stopped she broke form a little bit and never was able to you know fully get back on track but even then you know it wasn't as if she was starting to pull away uh, like she usually does, so it was weird. It was a weird time to have her worst race uh, of the year. Yeah, last night afterwards, you know,
0: she was asked what happened, and she's like, I don't know. You know, she didn't really make any excuses, which I thought was good. Um, It was just an interesting race, because a lot of... Tori Brewey thought she could win, but... You know, John, you, you were, were saying some of the others which were, didn't really consider it, right?
1: No, Marie-José Talu, who lost by point .1, she lost by one hundredth of a second. And after the race, you know, she was crying. And I asked her, were those tears of happiness or were those tears of sadness? And she said, oh, definitely happiness, because she, she came and she was like, she, remember, this is a woman who was fourth in the 100 and the 200 last year in Rio. And she was like, I'm just happy to get a, get a medal. I mean, you look at these women: there's, there's Skippers, she's a world champion; there's Tori Bowie, there's Elaine Thompson. And she's like, well, I'm, I'm just Marie Jose Salou, you know. And uh, she, she's like, I, to be among these women, you know, was was uh, amazing for her. And I think she's selling herself a little short. She had a great year this year, and she ran a PR of 10.86 in the final. And you run a PR in the world championship final, usually you're going to do pretty well. So. It's interesting, though. If, if she had leaned, she admitted, like, she ran straight through the line and she said, if I did, I'd have had the gold medal. And uh, I, I think she's right because Bowie had an incredible wing, but Talu led uh, led her for probably 97% of that race.
2: Really fascinating
1: stuff.
0: like
2: 99%. Yeah, I mean, I think – I thought you guys did a good job of – pointing out the reaction times and the race recaps, how she had you know point two oh is really slow, so I, I think she was probably very confident, like, don't blow it at the start, but you get off to that slow of a start, and you kind of maybe panic a little bit, and you got to keep your form, otherwise you know, you're know you not going to run as well as you should, but one thing it could be, and there's been some really smart posts in the past in the message board about this, and I, I wish, I, I know people probably think I know all the message board regulars and, and I don't. I think it might be the guy Calculo, but when Fred Curley was running so well in the 400 of the SEC championships, and I think he, didn't he run a 40 four Oh in the, in the semis, John, or 40.
1: Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yes.
2: Um, And, and people are like, what are you going to run the final? And this guy in the message board was like, look, in the history of the world, no one's done this. You can't run that fast twice in a row that close close together. So maybe she just went a little too hard in the semi and, and, you know, didn't quite have it um, for the final. But, you know, I mean, in in terms of the betting odds, she was an 87% one to seven favorite, you know, when we last spoke. So 87.5% of the time. She's expected to win that race, and yet, you know, yeah. she didn't do it. And then, you know, talking about a, another big upset, the shot put. I mean, Sam Krauser comes into that thing last night undefeated on the Ryan year.
1: Crowther, Ryan Krauser, Ryan Krauser wrote
2: it. Oh, sorry, his brother, Sam, right? The guy with her or cousin or somebody. Um, you know, he came in two to five favorite for the gold medal, undefeated on the year. And not only does he not win gold, he doesn't win any medal of any sort. And then there was huge controversy because Joe Kovacs, who was the the reigning champion from 2015, the silver medalist in the Olympics last year. On the sixth round, he's in a great battle with the Kiwi Tom Walsh. Uh, you know, Kovac throws a 22-meter a throw. It's going to win it. And then they call a foul for stepping on top of the board, which you don't see every day. But it's definitely, you know, according to the rule book, it's a foul. Um, so that was, like, just... I, mean, I, I thought, like, the, the emotion on Kovac's face was, was really riveting. And, you know, even if you're not a shot put fan, you had to get into that a little bit.
0: You know, the great competition. Krauser's pretty much been winning everything. And usually he has about, you know, three or four throws that'll win the competition. He didn't have any last night. He had one big one, I think around two or three. That probably would have won. They called a foul for him. He appealed it, but that was upheld. Um, he didn't throw that well in the pre either. And you know, they're back there after afterwards and you like, look, oh, it's like a golf from you know, usually it's on and sometimes the off, and off, they're all off. Um, and you can't get it right. He made it sound like it's, it, it, it's a problem that shoppers occasionally have. And Walsh sort of said the same thing. You know, Walsh Kopp, he could he could beat him this year, but he's like, you know, he, he knew that wasn't the best from Krauser. So I mean, that's, that's why we have sports, sport. Right? It's, it's, I think a problem track is field is the favorites win all the time. But We like them winning. You know, it's the thing. Because when Bolt loses, hey, it's just, it's not, you know, quite as exciting. But when there's just when it's predictable, you don't like it as well. So you, you need the upset from time to time. And you know, I think we should talk a little bit about Bolt and Gatlin booing. But there is one favorite who came through, and he sort of got neglected. And I guarantee, if this was a British podcast, uh, he would not have been at Gordon's not so far. You know, already well, good. Well, it's a day well, well.
2: Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about Mo. I mean, I, I think I just went with the upsets because that was really the theme yesterday. And also Farrah's race was the first day is the longest away. So, um, well, I don't know if you've been walking around. It sounds like you're walking away from the microphone. Um, can't hear you quite as well. So please try to speak into the phone or the microphone or whatever you're using over there. But yes, uh, Mo Farrah did deliver. And, you know, the electron audience, let's talk about the 10,000s. They were spectacular. And two of the all-time greats, came through. Mo Farah first on Friday night. You know, how many times are we going to ask, is he vulnerable? Is he going to lose? Can Kamara press the pace? You know, time after time, it seems like a world people are like, oh, the Kenyans just gave it to him. AP Open just gave it to him. It was a jog fest. And of course, is going to win if it turns into a 1500. But no, these guys brought it to him. And it was almost a championship record. It was a sub-27-minute race. And yet Farah does what he always does, wins. And um, definitely the greatest championship record of any professional distance runner on the track, um, surpassing Gabriel Celeste and Bikile. But um, what a race. I mean, how, being in the stadium, was that by far the biggest crowd, the biggest cheer, or, or, or did the men's 100 surpass that?
1: It was loud uh, for sure, but I will tell you the biggest biggest cheer I heard of the entire first weekend, and this is something that Tim Hutchings said they set of the PA system it was the loudest that Tim Hutchings has ever heard the stadium. It was Holly Bradshaw, the pole vaulter, her clearance of four six five, that the stadium the entire stadium, see the British pole vaulter, it was a pole vault final, the entire stadium rose up and just basically roared as one. That is the loudest single moment I heard. Now, in terms of sustained roar, though, basically once Pharoah went to the lead with just over 600 to go, all the way from there to the finish, it was very loud. Um, So that was definitely the the loudest sort of one-minute, one-two-minute stretch I've heard. But, uh, yeah, women's pole vault finals, that was the loudest I've heard the whole weekend.
2: That's the type of insight you only get from being there. There you heard it, folks. Let's run exclusive from Jonathan Galt. Holly Bradshaw, now looking at the results, she didn't even get a medal. She did clear 465, which is what got the bronze. Was Robolife Pinado of Venezuela, rare medal for Venezuela, congratulations, and Yaris Silva of Cuba got, they tied for the bronze at 465 because they had only had one miss. So they, didn't, they both had cleared, they had no misses going in to that point. And they cleared 465 on their second attempt. It looks like Bradshaw, she had no misses going in, but she cleared it on her third attempt. So pretty interesting stuff there.
0: Um,
2: but back to the Farrah race, I mean, you guys really think he's going to go to the marathon? This is going to be it? I mean, Weldon, I've got to give you credit. You said coming into this, these championships, I think either Farrah or Bolt is going to lose. What happened? How do people respond? Well, we've seen that. But Farrah did not lose. But my big prediction coming in is that, you know what, Nobody retires in sports anymore. People always miss the money. They miss the fame. So I've said publicly. I think either Farah or Gatlin. I mean, excuse me, or Bolt will come back to the track. Um, the more I watch Bolt, and the more his personality, I think he may be done. But you know, Michael Phelps came back in swimming after his retirement. So many people have done it. Um, but Farah's just so good at at, at the ten thousand. Know, and I just. In the marathon, is he really going to want to, you know, battle for a medal? You know, and I guess he might be – I guess in the marathon, you know, he got smoked badly when it was a rabbit race. But if it's a championship-style marathon, God, who's going to beat him in that? So maybe – if he's super competitive, I don't think he'll come back to the track. But if he's getting dropped and finishing fifth, I, I think that he will. Uh, what were your thoughts on that, we're um, well,
0: giving me too much credit because in the prediction contest, I – I think I think Bart losing Bolt to win, and I'm in, like, last place. If I switched him around, i would be doing great. But, um, yeah, he looked incredible. Pretty cool to see him sort of pump up the crowd during the race. I mean, once he, he – was hanging way back at the beginning, but then he kind of got up there and a couple times he gestured to the crowd and they rightfully responded. Um, yeah, I mean, the question is, right, like, will we necessarily become a good marathoner? And, you know, a lot of these guys, well, I guess if you go through the Geber Selassie um, and the k line, um, they all eventually had tremendous success in the marathon. So even if you want to put Turgot in that group, so you know, just logic says Farah will be next in that line, but he's just I don't know. He's been beaten in the half marathon before. I don't think of him as a, as a tremendous long distance runner, but maybe that's just because it hasn't been the focus. Um, you know, it's, it's just hard to keep going at this age. I mean, the guys behind him are so much younger. And I think one guy who, you know, definitely deserves a mention is Joshua Cheptegay, the Zondin, who, you know, gets familiar to him. If there's a edge of, I mean, the 10K is pretty cool because, um, you know, we've had the, the three sort of greats in a row. Uh, the, you, know, you know, I guess Jaylon won once, but sort of didn't be stars of the sport. But Chet would, he might be, you know, he, he was even talking about, you know, maybe my time will come, he was saying, and he specifically mentioned Ireland, Kinesi, and Mo. So, um, but, but the kids, 20 years old, he almost won the world cross country. It was gut wrenching. And then he faded to thirtieth place. And here he was pushing far at the end. And he came a long way in that last lap. I'd like to see last lap splits. He wasn't right there at the bell. So it'll be real curious what, what he does. But he was such a long shot. You couldn't even bet on him here in the betting markets. Like he just wasn't listed at all. Well that was a code um,
1: That was I mean, he was clearly one of the contenders. I think yeah, they it's just are because- up on that
0: you guys
2: called me from the betting parlor and asked me who I wanted. And I asked, I said, Hey, what about chapter Cause you know, he'd broken 13 and I was like, if Ferris somehow is off his game or sick, you know, he could win it. And, and, and he wasn't listed. So I was like, well, I could get big odds on that. But it's ironic because we also left him off the prediction contest. And I think I actually was the one who did the 10,000. So I I'm clearly aware of him and been in Uganda and was a big fan, but um, I don't know why I didn't, you know, it's weird. People were like robots. We're just falling down. So, Hardly anybody picked other when he was, you know, probably, certainly should have, someone should have been picking. You know, if he if didn't pick Kamwar or Tanui, certainly he'd be the pick probably over the Ethiopian. Um, but, you know, Farah gets the gold, 26.49.51. Kept you guys with silver, 26.49.94. I think there's a little echo there. Um, and then Tanui, the bronze, 26.50.60. So, fantastic race. And then a day later, we've got the women's 10,000. And, I mean, Amaz Ayana, she does it again. And people were blown away by it. And it's brought up a lot of interesting discussions on the message board. She wins by 46.37 seconds, runs 30.16, 32, everyone in the field except for the top four. So... Very good runners being laps I mean, all of the Americans. Susan Cummins laps Emily Enfield, and you know, Susan Cummins obviously is not American. She's from the Netherlands. But um, I'm just going down five, six, seven. Molly Huddle, Emily Sisson, and so so on and so forth. So
1: she likes Irene Shepty who is the world cross country champion, and she beat her by 65 seconds. Right. So guys, uh, here's
2: the question: A lot of people, you know. Molly Huddle had a post-race comment. The EP opens get a law, away with a lot. I will agree with, this, with Molly in the sense of, look, the testing in Africa isn't great. But the fact of the matter is, to me, I think when I watch, you know, track and field in general, everyone has a question mark. I mean, I, I, I sort of – anyone could be doping. And, but I, I don't think it, everyone is doping like some of these people do. Just because it's possible to dope doesn't mean everyone is. And also, just because, you know, the testing isn't great, well, if you're smart enough, you can, you can beat the test anyway. So, I don't know. I mean, in some ways, the fact that she wins by 46 seconds is mind-boggling, particularly considering the first, you know, 3K was, 3 or 4K was, was slow. So, she basically did over the final 6K. But in my mind, when I think about it, I can justify that type of margin of victory. It's not... To me, oh, she's an obvious doper. And w- what is your thought? I-, I can explain why I think that, but just sort of off the top of your head. Well, then, you know, when you see that, are you not enjoying the, enjoying the performance because you think this is ridiculous? Like, what was your sim- what was your reaction to the race as you were there? So
0: what you? Well, I, you know, quickly typing other stuff because. You know the race was over. There was it was super slow, and then she was so far ahead. Sort of being there, you you know, you're working. You don't need to really keep watching. I sort of look up, and you know, sort of uneventful being there. But it was a majestic performance. I mean, it's an amazing performance. You know, the question is, is is it real? But everyone who's like, oh, she's got to be doping. I'm like, I'm suspicious of everyone. But like, what her drugs are better than everybody else's. I mean, doping can't just explain that performance. Um, I don't think like she's got the resources to get on some wonder drugs that nobody else is on. Um, obviously, if you know it, it were because of doping, you know it doesn't. not saying like oh, it's still amazing she's doping. If you're doping, you're a cheat. That's sort of one thing I think Justin Gatlin still doesn't get. But um, you know, there's a reason we have better testing in place, and hopefully, uh, it, it's. A legitimate performance, and I think sort of the American reaction was, you know, a bit different. Um, not, you got the metal, right? I mean, the was the exact quote. Do you remember exactly what it was? Uh,
1: the exact quote. I think I, I can't recall the exact quote, but she essentially just said she was. Uh, she has. She was suspicious. Uh, the, I think. she she was comparing it to Kenya and Russia. How there's been a rash of doping positives in both of those countries, um, Kenya because, you know, I think they well there's still been despite the previously lax testing, uh, there's been a rash of doping positives. But I think she looks at Ethiopia and she sees the testing isn't quite up to snuff, uh, and she gets they, she thinks they get away away with a lot. That was the line that she said they get away with a lot. And again, but I, I also asked her. You know when you see someone win a race by 46 seconds, does that margin of victory send off any alarm bells in your head? And she's like, Well, you know, I, I run from the front a lot and I kind of run like that, so it wasn't really, you know, weird for me to see someone win by that much because you know, Molly Huddle, if you go to a road race when Molly Huddle's entered, uh, and I've been to several of them, she'll she'll try to cross the field just like uh, Ayana did, so. To, to see right. a huge margin of victory, the difference is that it's not really the best in the world crushing them. Um, obviously, no. yeah, I mean, you I feel like that. they get away with a lot
0: to, to be honest. Whereas, no. uh, Emily Enfield said, "They're innocent until proven guilty," in a hope that she's just the best there ever was in the world. Either one of those, you know. I mean, yeah.
2: I mean, I, when I see those quotes, I think they're yeah. both right on the money. It's natural to say that they get away with a lot and they don't have the same type of testing, but I loved Enfield's quote, too. I mean, I think that should be sort of the thought process is, are we watching the greatest runner ever? And I also loved how Huddle said, yeah, winning with 46 seconds, isn't that ridiculous? And that's what I was saying when I started this segment was, you know, if you um, just think about even last year, I mean, you know, she was basically – more than a minute up on Huddle
1: last year, correct? No, no not quite. Ayana H- ran twenty nine seventeen, Huddle ran thirty thirteen.
2: So, you know, 56 seconds last year. But Huddle's not, you know, I don't think she's in quite as good of shape this year as she was last year. So it, it goes up a little bit. You know, so she was crushing everybody. Admittedly, that was over the full 10K. But it does it. you know, she ran basically 14-24 pace. You know, that was her final 5,000. So she basically ran that for 6K, so but considering that we, she can probably run 14:10, is it absurd that someone runs 14:25 for 6K? I mean, the first 4K was a complete joke; it was like 33-minute pace. So that isn't that shocking. And if you go back, you know, to so I think Huddles are a little bit worse. So that's why the margin of victory goes up. And African competition this year isn't as good. I mean, Zababa. Last year, she had done a lot more on the track before she came into world. This year, she had done nothing since the London Marathon. So she's not going to be quite as good. She runs for second, you know, doesn't even try to go with her. So then there's going to be a margin, margin there. Vivian Chariot isn't in the race. You know, I, I don't think that the African-time competition as well is quite as good. And just in general, in women's sport, we're still not at the stage where it's as deep as the men's sport. We're probably, you know, 15, 20 years behind. I mean, let's go back to the 2003 Men's World, two thousand. Three men's world championship and that's the one that's gotten a lot of press recently because the winning time just like this race Mo Farah ran is 26:49. so people are now comparing Farah against the great all-time greats. and we said on the site that Farah could not beat Bikele in 2003 and it's a 26:49 race like it was here but Bekele ran his last 5,000 in sub-13 his last lap was significantly faster basically a full second faster than what Farah ran so but if you look at that race the this is a men's race, was 58 seconds up on the first non-African, Carl Casca. He beat, he ran 26:49. I mean, Culpepper ran ran 28:14. He beat Mav 28 28:31. He beat Matt by a minute and 32, 42 seconds. Dan Brown ran 29:01. So, you know, we've seen this before, this type of dominance. Now, admittedly, there was Africans in there, five or six. But if, if you say that the Africans aren't quite as good in the women's race. There's not as many of them, many of them in the marathon. You know, I, I think that the margin of victory is somewhat conceivable. And, and again, running 1425 for, for 4K doesn't seem that unreasonable. But, you know, looking ahead, everyone's giving her the gold medal in 10,000, but not Jonathan Gold John, you called me yesterday and said, hey, I think O'Berry's going to win it
1: again. Explain why. Well, if you look at the last two global championships in 2015 – we saw against Imidwaba, she wins the 1500 in very impressive fashion, close to like 156. Everyone's like, all right, it's over. Just give her the gold medal and the 5K. You know, Then Ayana comes out and just breaks her. And Almaz Ayana wins the 5K. So then we go to Rio next year. Almaz Ayana comes out. She breaks the world record in 10,000 meters. She beats Vivian Cherry up by 15 seconds. Everyone's like, well, we know who's going to win the 5,000 now. Obviously, Almaz Ayana. Ayana comes out. And she looks like, she, you know, she makes a big move midway through the race. And just like she did in Beijing the year before. And it doesn't work because she goes too hard. And both Helena Beery and Vivian Cherriot catch her, and Ayana ends up with the run. We're at the front. Now we're in London, and we've got Ayana again. Someone has done an incredibly dominant performance. She's coming back. But Helena Beery has had a very, very good season. I mean – She's been demolishing the field in the 5000. She demolished Laura Muir over the final lap in uh, the mile in London. She ran, she's run 3:57 for 1500 meters as a personal best. I mean, Helen Beery is a major, major talent and beat Honor at the Olympics last year. And I think that anyone who's just saying, well, just because Elma Ayana closed in 14:25 you know, she's, she's just going to be able to drop O'Beary. Well, O'Beary 14:18 18 pretty much by herself earlier this year. I think that even if Ayana runs close to world record pace, it's going to be tough to drop a fresh Helen O'Beary who is not doubling back from the 10K. So I don't know. I'm not saying 100% O'Berry is going to win, but if I have to pick head-to-head, I don't know. I, I'm still picking – I think I'm going to pick O'Beary, But again, if Ayana runs a little bit more sensibly than she did last year, and does it, I think she dropped a 64 in there, which you just shouldn't be doing in a 5K. But if Ayana if goes hard from the gun and runs, you know, 1408 or 1410 or something like that, yeah, maybe Oberi doesn't hold on. But I, I think she's got a shot to. Running 1418 solo, I think if you've got someone pacing you the whole way and you're as good as Oberi, I think she could hang on.
2: Well, John, you need to go down to the betting parlor Looking latest odds, Patty Power. Uh, Ayana's a 1-4 to four favorite, I'm to bury it. 3-1, so that's pretty good odds there. Um, you know, we're trying to keep these just under you know, just over 30 minutes. We've been talking for close to 29 already. So um, let's talk briefly about, you know, one other event we didn't even talk about. We probably don't have time about it, but where the favorites have flopped is the Men's 800, and Emmanuel Courier is out. Uh, all the Americans are out, including Donovan Brazier. Um, but – you know, I think we'll, we'll do one of these podcasts every day, and we should just talk about the last night's action and that day's action. So let's talk about what's happening tonight. You guys are going to be heading to the track soon. We've got some great finals, Women's 1,500 How about a
0: shout-out to Amy Craig first. We haven't even given her – she got a bronze medal. No one expected it. We haven't even mentioned it. We mentioned it at the beginning, but unbelievable run. I think it deserves, like, at least 30 seconds, two minutes. Robert said, we're going to start doing these daily now because there's no more morning sessions. We talk about a lot more in detail. Talk about the next nice action. Preview of the day's action. Um, but you know, her run was phenomenal. Yeah. She's at a whole nother level. Sometimes the world, the marathon fields are kind of weak. That was not the case. That woman's field was loaded. Um, so, bronze medal. Amy Craig almost a silver medal. It was a crazy race at the end. I mean, it went out super slow. Um, you know, this Brit was leading for about an hour and 40 minutes an hour 40. The lead pack catches him. You know, Serena Burl is still in it. There's like over 10 people, 14 people in it, I think. First one to put in a move. And afterwards, she said she wasn't like making a bid for glory. She was just kind of, she said ever since, you know, right before halfway, she kept thinking, like, oh my God, this thing's just going to blow open any second. It never did. So finally, um, you know, she makes the move. I think it was about 10K to go and sort of opens things up. And then next thing, you know, she's been dropped. She's behind Rose Chalimo, Boreen, and um, got, and they get clear, they sort of get clear, and then she's sort of dueling it out for third and fourth the rest of the way. Um, it was crazy, and then first and second are dueling it out back and forth, and you know both of them sort of switch places in the final mile. You don't see that a lot in a marathon. It's a tremendous race, and uh, you know she ends up with a bronze. She said with a mile to go, she was about 20 to 30 meters back, and Coach Jerry Schumacher, who she credits with sort of you know, changing, she said changing her, my life, you know, changed my career, changed my life. Um, yelled at her and said, like, hey, you know, just hang on, hang on. Be, try to get a little closer by half mile. You're better than her the last half mile. And Amy said she thought to herself, like, all right, this is it, you know, like the rest of my life. This is the decision. And so she pushed there. And he was right. The total, you know, last half mile, she had it. I think that's sort of mental tip for the her. you know, like it breaks down the race. It's not like, Oh, I've got to make it a whole mile. She's just like, yeah, just get something now and see what I've got. Um, yeah, so I, really cool. I really love that really anecdote cool.
2: because from a coaching standpoint, it gave her something very specific to do. And it's like, okay, I can just maintain to the last half mile. Now, I don't know how he knew she'd be better than the last half mile. It's not like they've raced each other over the last half mile of a marathon before. And maybe Amy always has a good last half mile, but you know, it, it's so much better than just saying, go, you can do it, you can do it. I mean, that's not really, that sort of goes in one head or the other. At a marathon, you're losing it mentally. This gave her something to focus on, you know, sort of get back into the game. And, and what a performance by Amy. And, and you know, kudos to the other Having great music. This is kind of a funny anecdote. Also, the coach athlete relationship. She's been sick for seven to ten days.
0: Maybe <laughs> she's been sick two weeks. She's been over here two weeks. And uh, so, John and I went and watched the Steve Cleveland yesterday, and the marathon was a unique setup this year. In both marathons, back to back, not at the same time, back to back, These are different days, Um, and neither one of them finished in the track. They finished at Power Bridge. And so, in fact, we're like, okay, we can make the second half of this marathon full. So, we're sitting here trying to take Matt Webb and Upwalk, Jerry Schumacher, Right, correct coach. So, so coach, and they're like, where are you going? We're, we're going to the marathon. Yeah, so are we. There
2: well, anything, then, where are a thing we're doing. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. We can't hear you very well.
0: Okay. Um, so I walked around again, and, you know, we take a cab over, and they're like, yeah, Amy's fit. And they're like, but she picked up this cold. And after the race, you know, I asked Amy, like, hey, you know, we've already had this cold. She kind of gives us this look, like, and, you know, talks about it. And then we saw um, Coach Schumacher later, and, you know, we're saying about the cold. We're like, hey, what about that cold you're worried about? And Amy said she started feeling better yesterday. But he's like, you know, this morning before the race, she was still, you know, snotting up stuff. She may have felt better, but he's like, oh, we never mentioned the cold to her, not once. Wasn't even brought up. They just heard from her husband, Alistair Craig, you know, that she had this cold. And so they just decided the best course of action was just, ignore it they never went to the doctor never discussed it they just sort of said like what are you going to do like you know mentally like you just psych her out and I could see some benefit maybe I don't know maybe I don't know if antibiotics could backfire some sort of bacterial stuff but they concluded it was a cold and you know she's gonna have to run yesterday anyway so thought that was an interesting way to approach it any more comments on Amy because as Robert said we're going over time and we should have some
1: quick thoughts in tonight's women's 1500 meter final yeah i just think she was was incredibly tough i don't i can't remember well i've seen a lot of runners run tough but what amy did over the last i would say 5k of that race uh, was just incredibly impressive from a toughness standpoint to uh absorb those blows and then to still have something left the last 800
2: fantastic stuff. now the women's 1500 final is tonight along with the Men's 110 hurdle final, women's triple jump, and women's hammer final. Those are the finals we're going to get tonight on Monday night. But what a race. We've been looking forward to this throughout. You know, it, we came in with the big three, Safan Hassan, the favorite, the world leader of this year. I don't know. You know some minds, the favorite. You know, she's the world leader. She's been working the best this year. Faith Kepiegaon, though, the Olympic champion. And then we also have the world record holder, Gensheve Dababa. And then we had the wild card from Castro Semenya plus the British Hope. Laura Muir and American Hope, Jennifer Simpson, Jenny Simpson. So so far, pretty much everything has, you know, gone according to form except Genzevi de Debaba did not look good in the semifinal. Really faded. As a result, mm. her gold medal odds have dropped significantly in everyone's eyes, including the betting public. She's now twenty five to one to win the, the world record
1: holder. Wow.
2: So Hassan is the favorite according <sighs> to Body Power, five to four. But to me, and this is the person I'm going to be rooting for. In some ways, I was like, I was like um, after, the, after the men's 100 final, I was talking to my wife, and I was like, you know, Gatlin, I, I, he's a villain, but I, I root for him now. She's like, why? Hasn't he been rude to you guys? And I'm like, hey, he served his time, and I respect the fact that he just goes out there and keeps doing it now, like over and over. And that's why I'm rooting for Castro Semenya. I don't like this court of arbitration for Whoa. sports people need to acknowledge that men and women are not exactly the same men have genetic advantages in sport over women and clearly catcher is a woman but she has you know intersex traits that, that give her a huge advantage in sport but that being said by the rules she's allowed to compete and she's really surprising me i mean whether you have high testosterone or not most people don't have this the same twitch you know, fibers to do well, 400 and 1,500 and 800. So she's looked fantastic. It would not shock me at all if she wins this. But it's really hard to say. Just because she's there and she looks good, you know, I'm not convinced that she's going to win the gold medal because it's like an 800. Everyone's seen her for years, look pull away from the field in the last 100, you know, and, oh, she can run so much faster, she can run 153. Well, she has not She's run, you know, 155 repeatedly over and over and over and over again. She tried to run fast this year in Monaco or Paris. It didn't happen. So, just because she's there, I'm not convinced that she could just – she's absolutely got, like, a ton more than we're seeing in the Final 100, but we'll find out tonight. Um, but Jenny Simpson, I mean, her odds have definitely got up. I mean, if Debaba certainly hasn't looked as good as Simpson. So, if you know the problem with Simpson's no are you've got Hassan, you've got Kip Probably Semenya ahead of her and probably Moore. So, I mean, looking like fifth. I, I bet, though, Simpson beats one of them. She may end up like Shannon Roper fourth last year. Jonathan, what is your take on this race?
1: Yeah, I, I think, well, I, I picked this on before the meet. I'm sticking with that. She's done nothing in the heats to disprove that I think she's the, the fittest woman in the race. The one, the one thing I have noticed, though, and I don't expect her to do the same exact thing in the final, but she's got out at the very back and she's taken a while to move up to the front. And this is something that she's done for years until this year of the diamond league. She hasn't stayed at the back quite as often. She's actually been more willing to push the pace in her first year under our Loto Salazar. So I'm going to be very, very interested to see how she runs this race because I think if you run right in the back, you know, I just don't like, I think it's a bad spot to be in. Uh, if, you're not in position to respond if a hard move is made right at the front. And if it's a fast race the whole time, you're going to have to be peeling by people. I mean, I think it would just make me more comfort in her if she ran a little bit further up. But again, that's somewhere she feels comfort- comfortable. So I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what Hassan does. But I do think she's the fittest woman right now. I think you're absolutely right about Simpson. Jenny has she comes into these meets, and she doesn't run quite as fast as everyone else during the regular season. But by the time she gets to the championship, she's always in that kind of shape. She's she's probably in 357 shape right now. And she always beats people that on paper she's not supposed to, even though, you know, you look at her and on paper, she's also a a three-time medalist and a 2011 world champion. So, you know, I think she doesn't get the respect that she deserves, which is kind of weird to say of someone who's that decorated. But but I think she definitely, she beats one of those women you mentioned, but I don't think she beats all of them. I think it's just too loaded up front. My pick would be Hassan for the win, and really, I I have no idea what to do with the other women, but the one thing I would say is, someone has to make, is someone going to take this early? Who's going to make the move? Because if you leave it slow, and with just 400 meters to run, we know that Semenya has 50.400 speed, and she might not be able to use all of it at the end of a 1500, but I would not want her right
2: on my shoulder on a slow, in a slow race. Yeah, it's interesting. Everyone, I don't really like the idea of, oh, it's a slow race. Whoever has the fastest quarter wins, because, you know, I, I, particularly actually in 800, I feel like if it's a really slow 800, you've got to have good endurance to switch gears. But um, I think – I was thinking about this, like, how is the race going to be run? Who's going to push the pace? I mean, Baba in the past has – has a fitness just to blast it early in the race and you know and admittedly last year she may have blasted a little bit too hard but i imagine she doesn't have the confidence to do that right now so i'm assuming she's going to try to run with the pack and maybe see how she feels um muir is normally the one that's fearless but she's probably going to be a little bit gun shy based on what happened last year but yet you know, again nobody wants to just sit and let it be totally slow so I don't know who's going to take this pace. I mean, I think Simpson is confident. She could try to pull, like, a central which did last year. I mean, she doesn't mind leading. She could just, you know, try to control things from the front. But she's getting 66 to one odds right now. So that's, that's pretty – you know, John, it sounds like you might want to go – That's an
1: to insult to I me. Mean, yeah, I don't know. Sixty-six. What I think you time? run this race 66 times. Yeah. You run this race 66 times, she wins at least one. That's my opinion. I hey, think Jenny Simpson wins it. I can see Ashton.
2: Uh, that'd be um, hard. I think you have to have a fall that took out two. <laughs> I don't know, man. I guess two. One person has an off day. Two people overdo it, and she catches them at the end. So yeah, I guess it's possible. Um, but it's it, it, you know it's going to be fascinating. Just, and that's definitely sort of the highlight of the night tonight for. The it, to it it, sort of.
0: People are going to want to make it on it. Want to make it on this anyway. Um. But I think sort of everyone's going to be thinking, like, all right, how do we... They're going to be fearing her if it's a slow race. Sort of, Ginny sort of hinted at that. <laughs> I mean, it should be really good ones. It's, it's, it's tremendous because you know, you got Kip versus Hassan, sort of. Those are definitely the favorites. And You got the local, Laura Muir, and then you got the unknown, Insomnia, uh, and, and then you got you know, Miss Consistent, Ginny, so... I really think anything can happen. Uh, that's what you need, need to watch. And we keep saying tonight, but if you're in the states, that race is at I'm not sure. Looking it up. Little computer problems here.
1: Yeah, that's no, going on? to be this afternoon. It's 9:50 9:50 British time, which means it's going to be at. 4.50 p.m. U.S. Eastern time. <laughs> see,
2: I haven't gotten really into a routine yet of watching during the week, so let's see here. The 200 heat is at 130, so I am, is, that's really the only thing I really absolutely have to watch. But it uh, should be exciting, and we apologize for spending about 45 minutes on this podcast, but tomorrow with only one, a few finals tonight, and, 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 and you know, we'll try to do a, a quick 30-minute podcast. We're going to see if we can actually do it live and take in some colors that we're, we're experimenting with some technology today, to see if it's working or not. So we'll let you know. But um, I, I think we should call it a day, guys. Have fun out there and, and enjoy uh, enjoy the show. And um, we'll be watching on television back here from the States. But uh, good coverage so far. Everyone's appreciating it. Um, so for Weldon Johnson and Jonathan Galt, this is let co-founder Robert Johnson. Thank you for listening and signing off on yet another edition of Trek Talk. Thank you.
0: 18 plus.